Time now for the quote of the week. Well, we've got a federal election in the offing, as everyone knows. That's despite the fact, by the way, that 27% of Canadians think it's a good time to hold an election. Only 27%. But we're going to get inundated with misleading statements, outright lies, unrealistic promises of free this or free that. You know, on Mike's Money Talks, on Money Talks Tweet, I put up a, and it's a, it's a serious poll question. One I think we should answer. Do you think the country would be better off if our political leaders and other political actors sidelined the spin doctors, stopped making misleading statements, told the truth and prioritized integrity? Because I sure do. But I don't, I think, I suspect I'm in the minority with that. Certainly with partisans. Because it doesn't bother partisans one bit when we hear this misleading statements, let's call them. Or the truth gets held hostage. No. But I'm going to leave it to former President Donald Trump, who summed it up beautifully with a characteristic bluntness. In quotes, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's, like, incredible. And it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum we're talking about, which side the partisans are on. That about sums it up. And it may work for some short-term political gain, but you know what? I say they're destroying trust in government, as we're seeing reflected in poll after poll. And they're endangering the entire system in the process. I'm not, I mean, how could it possibly be, be a surprise? But again, my poll question was, do you think the country would be better off if our political leaders and political actors sidelined the spin doctors, stopped making misleading statements, told the truth, and prioritized integrity? I think the country and our institutions would be far better off. But you're welcome to your opinion. Time now for the shocking stat of the week. Hey, maybe you heard this number earlier. I hope you did. It's courtesy of the Parliamentary Budget Officer, Yves Giraud. And I hope you were shocked when you heard it. And for those that didn't, the number is actually a date, 2070. That's the year the federal budget will be balanced unless there's a change in our financial approach. Citing his office's fiscal sustainability report, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giraud states, in quotes, it paints a picture of unsustainability for finances, both federal and provincial combined. Now, that's thanks to the costs associated with the aging population and the massive financial problems at the provincial level. And according to Mr. Giraud, that's the big elephant in the room that nobody wants or seems to be worried about or wanting to address, end of quote. The result is as, this is a former liberal, by the way, former liberal advisor Robert Aslin and former clerk of the Privy Council Kevin Lynch state is an intergenerational transfer of debt and risk that is unprecedented. 2070. Hmm. That's a long way from the balance of the budget will balance itself by 2019, as the Prime Minister stated in the 2015 federal election. And now we've got a slew already on the unofficial federal campaign trail of billion-dollar spending announcements. Again, no talk about how that will be paid off because it's never going to be. That's not a subject that's going to be broached. I'll tell you this, though. There has never been a generation, the current one, more unwilling to work for what we want and pay for government services. We do not want to pay for government services that we demand. Instead, with a wink and a nod, we pass the debt burden on to our children and our children's children and their children. 
But the real problem, just so you know, is you don't get enough publicity on this, is the provincial level. And the financial and the federal government's financial wherewithal to help at the provincial level is restricted by the amount of debt that they've run up. Plus, and we've been talking about this for decades, it's a different economy, different society, different pressures on government when you have the aging population that we do. And there's a lot to talk about on that. I just thought I'd, when I heard that stat, I was sincerely shocked. I looked at that one. Wow. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. I got to just say this, you know, earlier this week, I was shocked to see the Prime Minister of Canada admonishing the Montreal Canadiens for drafting London Knights prospect Logan Mayu. In case you're not familiar with the situation, let me just share it with you. Logan was on loan to a Swedish third division team because the OHL season was cancelled. The then 17-year-old engaged in consensual sex with an 18-year-old woman, but then took a photo of the woman without her consent and distributed it to his teammates. This is against the law, let alone any recognizable moral code of conduct or decency. He was charged under Swedish law, but important to note, he fully cooperated with the police, did not deny anything. He apologized numerous times, both privately to the victim and publicly. He also, and this is important, he went so far as to take the unprecedented step of contacting every NHL team who he advised of his unacceptable conduct and asked not, not to be drafted, stating in quotes, being drafted in the NHL is an honor and a privilege that no one takes lightly. The NHL draft should be one of the most exciting landmark moments in a player's career. And given the circumstances, I don't feel I have demonstrated strong enough maturity or character to earn that privilege in the 2021 draft. He went on to write, I know it will take time for society to build back the trust that I have lost. And that's why I think it is best that I renounce myself from the 2021 NHL draft and ask that no one select me. Well, this incident merits two goofies. First to the Montreal Canadiens, who ignored his stated request and drafted him. I think it was 30th overall anyways at the end of the first round. And then the fallout for the player and the club began immediately in an avalanche of criticism. The club apologized. The owner apologized for the misjudgment. But the second goofy goes to the prime minister, who felt the need or saw the opportunity to get front page coverage in admonishing the Canadians for drafting the now 18-year-old, saying they all owe hockey fans an apology. As the National Post Kelly McFarlane asks, does the fact that a person was young and foolish at the time of the incident, and he has since become a transparently honest and respectable citizen mean anything at all? I'll add that he paid a significant price already and feels so contrite that he asked not to be drafted into the NHL until he earned the honor. Well, apparently not. But you know what? When the prime minister stands up and says it, he invites this kind of a comment. Because when he was 28, not 17, he groped a woman and offered up the excuse that If he'd known she was a member of the national press, he wouldn't have been so forward, as if it's okay to grope a woman who's not in the media. But there was no apology, didn't own it for a moment, and never did. Instead, when asked later by the media, he offered up the now infamous explanation that she experienced it differently. That is not what Logan Mayeux did. Compare the maturity of his response. But it's more than that. 
when he was caught wearing blackface, the prime minister and well, their supporters said he should be forgiven because he was young, 29. But the prime minister doesn't offer a 17-year-old any such break. The kind of break he gave liberal minister of sport, Ken Hare, accused by two women of sexual harassment, or Marwan Tabera, another liberal candidate in 2019, who was under investigation for 2015, uh, allegedly directing sexual comments and inappropriately touching a staff member. There's numerous other incidents. Arguably the most infamous has got to be ignoring allegations against General Jonathan Vance for two years until the allegations went public because of a global TV report and couldn't be ignored. But no such break for a 17-year-old who showed maturity and character by owning up fully to his offense. I want to know what was gained by the leader of our country using his office to put the spotlight on a young man who had clearly acknowledged the seriousness of his offense, showed total contrition, never tried to avoid responsibility, who didn't say the victim had experienced it differently and has already paid a steep price in terms of public humiliation. So what was gained other than the spotlight in order to rescue his own tarnished claim of being a feminist? I guess permanently branding the reputation of a young man, an 18-year-old now, 17 at the time, I guess it's considered just not too big a price to pay, which I'm sure in this age of cancel culture, there are many people who agree. I am absolutely not one of them.